and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to introduce my co-host today because she has a lot of experience in the world of ABA and BCBAs because she works in a variety of settings and I'll let her introduce herself now. Hi my name is Colleen and I am a BCBA in New Jersey and I work um, in school, in center, and in home as a BCBA. And so she basically does all the environments that people have questions about. So to start off can you kind of explain just the difference of what it means to be a school-based ABA therapist or BCBA versus being in a clinical or in-home setting? Yeah, for sure. So the biggest difference between the two different settings is who my client is. So when I'm in school, my client is the school district. I do what they ask me to do when they ask me to do it. And I always have the kids best interest in heart. But at the end of the day, it's my job to make sure that the school district gets what they need out of my services. When I work in home, um, I am more trying to please the parent and, and get the parent what they need, as well as working through the insurance company. So while at the end of the day, we're all looking to support the kids, um, everything is different in terms of who I'm trying to please in terms of my services. That completely makes sense. And so what we're going to talk a lot about today is kind of the difference between getting ABA services in a center versus getting ABA services in the home. And that's something I see even at my center, we we have both models. So we have some kids that come to us and some kids with a therapist travels to them. There's a lot of confusion about, you know, why some kids would come to a center and why some kids would do better in home, what the advantages and disadvantages are of those environments. So if you're looking at a student that is getting it in a center-based versus an in-home base, what are the biggest differences you're going to see in those sessions and the way they are provided? So my in-home sessions are run in a very informal way, and they're based on what the parent and the student really need in the moment at that specific time. So when I walk into a home and I'm dealing with a group of um, a, a family unit, I'm dealing with what they specifically need at any one individual time. So a lot of times that means we're doing things like feeding, or we're going out into the community and we're working on going to a store, um, and how we kind of work through some of the issues that we might see when a family is just trying to live their everyday life. I just had a client last week who we went to swim lessons with, and we sat down with his swim teacher and we got to have some interaction with her, which was fantastic. Sometimes I have those same kids in clinic and we're working on just a totally different set of goals, but also in a different type of way. So if I'm working on identifying household items, when my student is in the clinic, we might sit down at the table and put out household items and tell him to touch spoon or touch cup. When we're in the home, I might say to him, all right, it's time for snack, go get your spoon and make sure that he can find that item. So we're looking to kind of take those skills that we might've taught at the table or in a room and generalize them to his, his or her everyday life. That totally makes sense. 
So looking at that, because it's, it's just sounding like there are a lot of great advantages to both settings. So can you kind of go over like the advantages and then what you kind of lose if you're in a center-based setting? And then again, in the home, what are the advantages of being in the home? And what are the pieces that you lose when you're in the home? Yeah, so I find the advantages to the center to be very much like the advantages to school. It's very structured. I control the whole environment. And also as a BCBA, I control a lot of what the therapist does because I know what materials they have. I know what their environment looks like. So a lot of times what we see is that the kids tend to do pretty well in the center. They come in, they know the routine, and we only have them for a specified amount of time. So just like in a school day, we might only have them for two hours, we might only have them for six hours, but at the end of the day, we know we structure that time and then we go home. So that generally works pretty well in terms of behavior management. We do lose some of that generalization. So we're not able to work on the skills in the same way that we might in the natural environment. I also lose the ability to work with the parents in the center. So sometimes they come in and we sit down and that's great, but you don't get that opportunity to really see them in real time in their natural environment to help them work through some of the difficulties that they might be having with their student. On the flip side, we do get that in home. So I really get to get my parents involved in every session that we do. Um, so sometimes we do work on things one-on-one, -on -one, but generally we have the, the parents come in and we work with them. We try to make sure that they're involved in everything. We also know that we're generalizing every skill. So anything that we teach, even if we sit down and teach it at the table, we take it out into the environment, whether that's just their living room or their backyard or it's out in the community. Um, so those are all really, really great things, but we do lose some of that control in the home. So a lot of times I run into issues where I'll come into a session and a parent is sitting down and they're feeding their child when we've been working on self-feeding for weeks. And I'm like, oh gosh, you, you gotta let us, you gotta let us step in here. You gotta make sure he's feeding himself. So we are losing some of the control that we might have. I'm also looking at totally different sets of goals. So when they're in a center, we're looking at things that that we're interested in. Can can they can they match things? Can they complete tasks? Can they engage in communication? When they're in the home, we're really looking at at what the parent needs and sometimes that differs from what it is in my head that this student needs to be able to do. Um, some parents are not looking for a kid to be able to sit down and engage and complete a task. Sometimes they just want them to be able to engage with the family. So um, there's definitely benefits to both. In fact, most of our students that I work with in home also have an in-center component that they do a couple times a week. Okay, I'm gonna throw a couple of questions at you that I did not prepare you for that kind of <laughs> as we are talking. Sounds so good. Is I know a lot of people either move from education into ABA um, or just kind of go a path where they're originally a special ed teacher. And so I was a 3-5 teacher. And so I never would have gone into my student's home. That's like a hard no. Like teacher does not go into the home. So then yeah. I went to work at my clinic and they were like, hey, do you want to go on home? I was like, no, because I don't do that. Like that is, that is a boundary. And that was really hard for me uh, to get over. I actually started going at home about a month before the pandemic so then it, it left my environment again but it yeah. took like a whole like eight months to get my mind wrapped around that that it was okay to like go into the child's home so do you have any advice for someone that maybe is like I don't want to go into a parent's home I'm too nervous is the mom gonna be watching me and critiquing me because I think there's just a level of discomfort that some people who haven't been in that environment would feel do you have any advice for people in that situation 
Yeah, I think that I actually went through the same thing that you did. I taught preschool autism for a while before I became a BCBA and, um, and same, same deal. We, I had some difficulty. Um, but the first thing that um, a BCBA told me when I started working in home was let the parents take the lead. Because when you're in the school, it's your decision, right? So every time I would work with aides or paraprofessionals, I would say to them, it's my license on the line. It's my job on the line. In the home, it's the parent that's on the line. So turn to them. When you walk into their house, remember that it's their house. I always, when I walk in the door, say, do you want me to take my shoes off? Um, and I always spend the first five minutes, even if I've known a parent for two years, I spend the first five minutes walking in and saying, how has your week been? How are things going with you and your family today? And that makes them feel like we're a part of the family. On the flip side of that, I always try to maintain my boundaries, which is very, very difficult when you're in a child's home and you're dealing with them on that level. So I try to make sure that I don't take food when it's offered to me and I don't take gifts when they're offered to me um, because I want them to feel comfortable with me but I don't want them to feel like I'm a friend that's going to do whatever they need me to do because at the end of the day I'm there to provide a service for their family. I think that's a really important thing to note because I could definitely see where it is hard. I, when I was teaching, the only time I went into the home is I was a homebound teacher for a while and so if anyone mm -hmm. doesn't know what that is, it's if the student is out of school for an extenuating circumstance. The student had a chronic illness and they weren't able to be in school. So that was the only time that I went into the home. And it was difficult at the end for me to kind of like leave the house sometimes because the mom wanted to talk so much. She really yeah. wanted to build a more of like a friendly relationship. And she'd be like, let me make some tea and sit at the kitchen table. And I really had to like set that boundary of being polite, but, but saying like, no, I, I can't come sit at your kitchen table and drink tea. That's going beyond what I'm here to provide. And so I think that's important because that's a very easy slippery slope for people to go down. Absolutely. And so my next question is, if someone is looking at going down the process of becoming a BCBA, do you have any advice on how to determine whether you would be more comfortable in a school setting, in a clinic setting, in an in-home setting? I know a lot of people struggle. I hear people that say, oh, I'm gonna get my BCBA and go back and work for my district. There are people like me who wanted to leave mm -hmm. the district, but it, it's hard for me, even though I made that decision, to give people other advice who are trying to make yeah. that decision. Um, and I make that decision all the time. So every time I switch jobs or switch centers or switch home companies, I think to myself, what do I want? What do I want out of this? And there's benefits and drawbacks to everything that you do, which is why I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know how it is where everybody lives, but in New Jersey, we have a lot of ABA companies and a lot of our ABA companies are center and home-based. Um, so I always choose to work for those places that I have that opportunity to kind of move back and forth based on, based on what I need. But I think that it's important to try everything. During my hours, I had the opportunity to obviously do my teaching. So I got to see what was going on in the school, but I also did hours in home and in clinic to be able to get experience across the board which I think is so important when you're doing your BCBA hours anyway. Some people get caught up. This is what I do and I'm stuck in my little circle, but you see so much. The things that I do in each area are so different. I would never do a full functional assessment in a school program that's a public school program when a kid is not raising their hand enough. But I might do a full functional assessment for a kid who comes into our center who's headbanging. So I got different experiences and I was able to make my choice based on that. But if we're being really honest, 
I'm still not sure. I love what I do. I love working in a school. I work in a um, sending district um, for kids with special needs. So I work specifically with an autism population and I love them and they're fantastic. But there are days that I go to my in-home job and I think to myself, I could do this all the time. <laughs> it would be fantastic. There's so many differences and not the least of which is the pay and the benefits. Um, so it really is a matter of what kind of speaks to you, which is why I ended up staying full-time in school because I get the benefits and the structure and I get to work with teachers, which is what I love to do. But after school, I take those higher paying in-home jobs and I get to have really one-on-one -on -one time with students and therapists and get to work in a different um, way. So I think that the best way to figure it out is to just do it. Um, and those opportunities are out there. There's, there's such a need for people in our field that there's no reason to not try a variety. Absolutely. And it's so hard for us to compare because, you know, you might live in an area where the school district is fantastic and the ABA mm -hmm. clinics are not what you're looking for. You could go one city over and the ABA clinics are where you want to be and the school district really isn't receptive. And so it's hard unless you actually know the options you have near you to really make that decision. Absolutely. And, and I encourage people to, to move around. I've supervised um, upcoming BCBAs who um, they say to themselves, oh, this is what I want. I want to go into this program in this district. Um, and I say, you think that. I, I actually, the school that I'm at now, I worked at um, four years ago as a teacher and I didn't love it. It was not, it was not right for me. And I moved to a very big public school district to be a BCBA. I was there for a year and that wasn't right either. So I went back to the school I was originally at as a, as a BCBA and I am so much happier now. So you never really know what is right for you until you go through the process of it. And I've been lucky enough to be able to have opportunities um, to, to move around and to get what I need. But at the end of the day, you never know until you do it. And I'll add that this is not necessarily related to what you just said with trying out different settings, but I'll say that with age populations, because I walked into my center and I said, do not give me a child under the age of eight. I don't do that. I do. I worked in a high school then I worked in upper elementary and they're like, we're going to give you this three-year-old. And I was like, okay, and the semester is how long? Let me count how many shifts I have to do with this three-year-old because I don't do yeah. that age. I adore that kid so much now. I've added so many more preschoolers to my caseload. Mm -hmm. It was something that I was completely shut off of because I did not do early intervention. And now I absolutely love it. And honestly, if I ever went into the school system again, I'd probably look to be in a pre-K or K-2 setting because I love it so much. So yeah. And it's funny because I've had the opposite experience. <laughs> I worked with preschool my whole life. And the last um, place I got a job at, I walked in and they were like, so we have a 16 year old. And I was like, what? What do we do with 16 year olds? But you learn, you take that time and, and you learn. And, and every day the mom calls me and she's like, she's like, we were just doing this and, and we're missing out on this skill. And this is what we need to work on. And it's been fun. It's been fun to learn. Um, and I think that that's the cool part about getting to work in all of these settings and getting to work um, in a variety of, of age groups is that you get to learn new things every day. Yes, absolutely. And that's the only thing that I wish I had done is gone to work at a clinic part-time before I left. It ended up being mm -hmm. great, but it was quite the shift. And I, I didn't realize how easy it would have been to be a therapist at nights and on weekends to kind of like yeah. test the water. So it is a lot easier to kind of test multiple environments at one time than you realize. When I was a teacher, that just seemed really daunting. But now I'm like, oh man, I could have gone on Saturday morning and just tested it out to see what it was like. So. For sure. Yeah, I, I did a lot of that, let me tell you. <laughs> Those are all the questions I had for you, but is there anything else that you wanted to share? 
No, I just wanted to say that um, I, I think that sometimes this field is a little scary that you walk into a grad program and they say, oh, you're going to have to do all of these hours and you're going to have to learn all of these really daunting things. And then you're going to have to walk into the, the life of a child with a disability and fix it. Um, and it's really just one step at a time. I know we all get caught with a little bit of imposter syndrome and we feel like we're not doing what we should be. But at the end of the day, you see it every time you walk out of a home and and you've done something that matters for a family so the more people that we can have go into this field that really love it and are really in it for the right reasons the better off we're going to be as a community i love that that was the perfect ending note to the podcast <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and being my co-host thank you i appreciate it thank you for listening to my podcast if you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at AdaptationStation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.